picture when uh, my, my sister's here with me, and so she saw that picture, and she leaned over and said, hey, thanks for cutting me out of that picture. And so uh, that, my sister's right over here, so she's, uh, she wanted attention, obviously, so everybody stare at her. So she's in the green coat on the front row. Um, y'all, we are continuing our series today. There's an app for that, and so if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 19. And of course, anytime you talk about apps, you have to talk about the phone. Uh, 90% of all cell phones are what we call smartphones, which, ba- I mean, from the way I understand it, a smartphone is really just basically, it is a handheld computer. Now, in the case of my mother, her cell phone is almost like a laptop. I mean, the thing is huge, and you can see it from a mile away. But there's some really cool things that you can do, of course, with your cell phone. Uh, for those of you who have smartphones, you know that one of the neatest things about them are the apps that come with them. And there is, there really is just about an app for everything. I mean, there's an app for your diet. Uh, there are apps for, for exercise. There are apps for, you know, for directions. I mean, just, just about anything you can think of, there's an app for that. Now, one of my, and I hate to say this, but one of my apps that I really enjoy a lot, that I've been a little probably too addicted to, is the, uh, one of the game apps called Temple Run. Uh, do you all know that one, Temple Run? Okay, I'm pretty good at it. Uh, my high score right now is 27 million. Now, I thought that was really good until I saw that the record is 500 million. And so what that's going to mean is more time away from my family and uh, things of that nature so that I'll be able to try, hopefully approach that high score. But there's just some really neat things about apps. But I'm, I'm noticing, though, for so many of us that anytime we have questions, the go-to for us are our phones. You know, I mean, you, you watch a movie and you want to know about a movie, you automatically type in the movie, or you want to know about an actor, you're just looking them up, uh, you have some sort of problem, I can figure, I can diagnose you, just give me five minutes. And so we're always constantly picking up our phones, and I think in many ways it's to the detriment of our relationship with God, when the, the, the greatest app that's ever been given to us is, is God's Word. And so it's my hope that as we go through this series that we're going to see that the greatest place that we can turn to to find answers, to find direction and guidance in life is this book right here. Now, now why this book? Well, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 gives us a pretty good hint. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Now think about that. The Bible tells us that God's Word can complete us and prepare us for every good work. And so that's why we're going through this series. There's an app for that. And the app that we're going to be focusing in on today is is the one on, on Temple Run. Now Temple Run, as we're looking at it in Scripture, it is different than the Temple Run on your phone. Now, the temple run on your phone, of course, we know it's about, you know, like keeping your balance, trying to get as many coins as you can. You've got to know when to slide and when to jump. Y'all with me? So you know all those things about that on the, on the phone. Now, in the, it's different in the Bible. Uh, the, the Bible, what it's referring to today is it's referring to the church. It's referring to the gathering together of believers. Now, I think it's really good for us to look into Scripture because I think for so many of us, there are beliefs that we have and practices that we have, and we really don't know why we find some things to be important. 
And one thing, if you've grown up in the church, one thing you've heard a million times is the importance of the church. You've heard about why it's important, or you've heard always that it's important for you to come together on Sundays to worship. And there might be some of you, and you're a little bit, you know, you're a little bit skeptical, and you're like, well, why is that? You know, why is the church important? Why is it, why is it a must for me to come together with other people in a building in order to listen to somebody talk and to hear people sing? Well, today in our scripture, we're going to see the writer of Hebrews sharing with us why the church is important. And we're going to see the writer of Hebrews sharing with us that for believers, that church is to be an integral part of our lives. And we're going to find out why in just a few moments. And so we're going to look in Hebrews chapter 10 in verse number 19. If you have your Bible and you're turning there, I'll give you a little bit of background information. Uh, this book was written to, obviously, Hebrews, which have been Jewish people. They were Jewish Christians who uh, very likely were living in what is now known as Italy. And as they were there, the believers were, uh, many of them were, I mean, they were, they were struggling in their faith. I mean, having a hard time. Uh, you might remember, uh, even if you didn't grow up in the church, you know that, you know, like the Colosseum, you've heard about Christians being fed to the lions. Y'all heard that before? That was not voluntary. Uh, so it was not, it was not really what you'd call a great time to be a Christian. It was not real popular. And so there's some people at this time who are like, you know what, this whole Jesus thing is not for me. This whole Jesus thing, if this is what I get, then I had preferred to maybe live a different way of life. And so what the writer of Hebrews was doing is he was trying to encourage them. He was trying to point out to them to, to hang in their faith, to give them an app that would be an encouragement for them as they were living this life. Now, I think we still need that same kind of encouragement. I mean, there's no doubt that we live in, in times where this, this world's just, it's difficult, right? I mean, there are times, I know that life, there's some great things about life, but in so many ways, there are some things that are very difficult and very hard about this life. And when that happens, I mean, a lot of times we just feel like, you know, I just like to run and hide. You know, if this is what being a follower of God brings me, then I'd rather just do something different. But what I discover is that we're, we're not called to run and hide. Matter of fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 16. He said, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, that, can be a, you know, that can be a pretty tall order, but it can be done. Especially when we have a group of believers who are our support system. And so the question today is, why is church important? And we're going to see some reasons why it is. First reason why church is important is because there is power in numbers. There is power that comes with numbers. Now, look with me in verse number 19. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he's inaugurated for us, through the curtain, that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed in pure water. Okay, you might look at that and say, now what in the world is that talking about? Hopefully I'll be able to help here. Uh, now the ultimate place for worship for the Jewish people was where? It was the temple, right? Now we know that about the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, if you ever see on the news Jerusalem, have you all seen that? You know, you know the gold dome that you typically associate with Israel? That gold dome is where the temple 
used to be. It was located right in that area. And so the primary place of worship, the ultimate place of worship for Jewish people was right inside of that temple. Now inside of the temple there was a special place that was called the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was a room that was separated from all the other places in the temple, had a huge curtain that separated it from everybody else. And it was behind this curtain where the Bible said that the presence of God would dwell. So it's, I mean, it's a significant place. But only once a year, only one person could enter behind that curtain. And that was the high priest. And the only time he could go there was on the Day of Atonement. But before he could enter into the presence of God, you know what he had to do? He had to make a sacrifice to God. Now, why is that? Well, because we're sinful people. So our sins need to be paid for. And so before he would enter into the presence of God, a sacrifice was made. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so the priest would go and he would approach God, but he would make a sacrifice before he entered into the presence of God. Now, if you look at that, now you look at today, and you might have noticed this when you came here. Did y'all notice that we did not have any animals that we were sacrificing? Did y'all notice that? We do that on Wednesdays. I'm kidding. Now, we don't sacrifice animals anymore. Now, we, we don't sacrifice animals. Now, why don't we sacrifice animals anymore? Because of Jesus. Jesus went to the cross... And died as a sacrifice, the book of Hebrews says, a once and for all sacrifice for the sins of mankind. So what that means, instead of a curtain hanging down between us and the Holy of Holies, when Jesus went to the cross and died for us, that curtain, it says split in two, it was removed, which means that we can now, all believers, have direct, direct access to God at all times, which is really cool. Now, you can listen to that and say, well, we're talking about the temple today. The temple is no longer there. So, where is the presence of God now? I mean, is the church really that important? Because it's the presence of God is no longer in the temple because it's gone. Remember, in 70 A.D., the Romans destroyed the temple. So, where's the temple now? You know where it is? If you're a follower of Jesus, the temple now is you. It's you. If you're a follower of God, the temple, the spirit, the dwelling of God is in your life. We're told in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, don't you know that your body is a sanctuary or a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? It says you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. The temple is no longer a building. The temple is people. The church is people. And yeah, we've said that so many times here, that the church, village church is not this building. Village church are you, is you. It's the followers of Jesus. Now you can look at that and say, okay, we're talking about church today. Why is church important? Well, why is the church important? If I'm the church, I'm always the church. It means I don't have to go, right? I mean, if I'm the church, I mean, I'm always at church because God's spirit dwells in me. So what's the point or what's the purpose of me going to church anymore? I am the church. And in one sense, you're, you're very accurate. That if you're saying that, if you think that, you're very accurate. Because we are, if you're a believer, you, you are the church. So it means I can, I can worship on my own. I can pray on my own. I can read 
the Bible on my own. All those things are important. But the Bible has another definition of the church that's really cool. We are called the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. So what does that mean? Think about it like this. If a body is healthy, and if a body is functioning, it means all the parts are working together. Now, if you have, if you had, if there's a hand, and a hand is detached from the body, I mean, it's just, it's just laying on the ground. Are you going to walk? You, there's no way you're going to walk over to that hand and say, "Hey, man, I got, I've got to run to the restroom. Would you hold my coat for me?" I mean, is the hand going to do anything? Well, no, it can't. Why can't it do anything? Because it's cut off. You know, it's not attached to the body. And so if there's going to be life in that hand, it has to be attached to the rest of the body for it to work properly. And the same idea is true with believers. Guys, let me tell you something. It is impossible for us as believers to be Lone Ranger Christians. We need each other so that we can function properly. And this is one of the major reasons why we come together to worship because there is strength in numbers. You know, there is a difference between a laser and a spotlight. Now, they both require electricity. They require the same things. But if you were to put a laser on a, a beam, a steel beam, and a spotlight on a steel beam, the results are going to be different. I mean, with a, with a spotlight, if you put it on a beam, it's, it's going to make the beam maybe warm. What's the laser going to do? It's going to cut through it. Now, what's the difference? Light is diffused in the spotlight, but in a laser, it is unified. And when it comes together, it is able to do powerful and strong things. That is how the church is. Guys, when we come together, and we work together, and we celebrate together, and we focus our attention and our worship upon God, it is like we are a laser that can do great and mighty things as we work together. Great power numbers. And it's encouraging when there are numbers and you come together. Now, if you don't believe that, I mean, if you, if you went to a Carolina, if you're a football player and you played at Carolina or Clemson, and you run onto the field, and there's one person in the stands cheering you on. Is that going to motivate you? I mean, are you going to be more motivated if it's 85,000 people? No, no doubt. I mean, the more people there are, the more motivating and encouraging it is. There's power that comes with numbers. And that is what the writer of Hebrews is teaching here. There is great strength in the church when we come together. So the church is important. Because there's power in numbers. But here's another reason why the church is important. It's because the church encourages us. You might say, well, does the church really matter for me? Yes, it matters for you because it is a place where you need to be encouraged. In verse 23, it says, Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. One of the most crippling things that can happen in any person's life is when they get to a point where they say, I give up. Well, they get to a point and they say, you know, I, our world is beyond help. My life is beyond hope. And we just throw in the towel. When you get to that point, let me tell you something. You are in big time trouble. That's where the believers in our text were. When they follow after God, and they start getting persecuted. When they follow after God, a guy named Nero comes into power. Nero hated Christians. He burns Rome, blames it on the Christians. He begins to persecute them. This is who we're talking about here. And these people are tired, and they're worn out, and they are people without hope. What do they need? They needed someone to give them encouragement. 
to remind them of the promises of God. And that's what the book of Hebrews says. It says that we are not to waver, but we are to hang on to the hope that we have in Christ. That's where the church is important. Guys, we gather together here. And we meet in our small groups. As we meet each other out, out in the community, we are to encourage one another with the hope that we have in Christ. What hope do we have in Jesus? The hope that we have is that God is one day going to take his people to be with him in heaven. He says that we have an inheritance that is waiting for those who are believers. That is our hope. I can look at this world and say, man, I'm not getting everything I'd like to get here, but you know what? There's going to be a day when I'm going to receive the inheritance that Christ promises his people. And when we talk about having a hope in that kind of an inheritance, it's not the kind where you cross your fingers and say, man, I hope God comes through. It is the kind of hope where you say, I am hoping for this, looking forward to it, because I know it will happen. Let me try to give you an example. One of my favorite all-time movies is The Natural. Y'all seen The Natural? It's a great, it's a great baseball movie. I think it, came, it probably came out in the 80s, I'm sure. Robert Redford's in it. I won't go through the whole story, but it's about a guy. He comes out of nowhere. He's about like, you know, about like my age, 33. And he comes in, and he starts, he starts playing baseball. He's great. I mean, he had this, he had this sorted pass that's hidden, but he comes out, and he's hitting home runs. He's a great player. And he, he ends up leading the New York Knights, fictional team, leads them to play for the pennant to go to the World Series. And I remember the first time, I thought it was the greatest movie. I love this movie. Still today, when it comes on like TBS, I mean, I've seen it a million times. I will watch it again. I mean, it's just so fun to watch. Now, they get into the pennant, and, you know, it's a really close, comes down to the end of the series, and I'm sitting there going, come on, Roy, hit home run. Y'all remember the blood? Come on the side. And I'm sitting there, hit home run. We're going to win the game. And I'm so excited for it, hoping that it's going to turn out well. Well, the first time I saw it, I didn't know what was going to happen. And he comes through, and they win. Okay, I, I watch it now, and he comes up to bat. He's got the blood coming out on the side. Long story, injury, tell you about it later. He's hurting, and I'm watching it now, and I'm thinking, man, I hope he comes through. Now, I've already seen the movie. Now, the difference is, when I'm saying that, you know, I'm just a little bit anxious because, you know, I don't know, maybe they're going to change things. But I'm a little bit anxious, but, but I'm excited because I like the movie. But it's different because I'm not, it's not one of those, I hope he hits a home run, like, gosh, I got my fingers crossed, but I know he's going to because I've already seen it. Christians, that's the kind of hope that we can gain when we come here into the church. Now, we live in a world that I'm sometimes, I'm totally stunned at some of the stuff I see. Gosh, and I feel like I'm becoming more and more like my parents and my grandparents. I remember the good old days. You know, but y'all, I think I'm right. Okay, and I sit there and I see some of the stuff that we're going through, and I think, man, I can't believe where our belief system is now. I can't believe some of the garbage that we say is right that we know is absolutely wrong. And I get frustrated, and I watch the news, and y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. I, watch, I quit watching the news for a long time because, y'all, I'm pretty negative sometimes. And so I'm sitting there watching the news, and I, I'll watch the news now, and I'll just look over at Emily, and she, I think she's, I'm sure she enjoys me, and I'll go, you know, we're screwed. Y'all, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. We, ain't, we don't have any hope whatsoever. And I'll just start griping because, I, y'all, you know what? Deep inside, I feel that way. I feel like we are so far gone, we, we just hang it up. You know, as a believer, that's why I come to church. Why, why do I come here? Because there is there's hope. 
I shouldn't have that kind of an attitude. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, in this world you will have trouble. And he said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We have a promise from Jesus that there will be a day when he will remove us from this place and give us new life. Now, some of you might say, that's real easy for you to say. But you know what's going on in my life right now? I talked to a lady this morning in her first service. She came up to me and said, I just want you to know I have stage 4 cancer. And you know, some, this life sometimes stinks. There's garbage that happens, I don't understand it. And people like that come and talk to me and say, this is what's going on in my life. And I feel hopeless, and I feel destroyed. Do I have any hope? Let me tell you something, when storms are beating the tar out of you, there is hope because of Jesus. See, guys, here's the difference. We already know the end of the story, right? We know the end of the story. We know what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. That's one of the jobs of the church. It is for us to come together to remind each other you might feel like you're just, you know, that you're absolutely, you have no hope. Let me tell you something, I know the end of the story. I know what Jesus says, and he gives hope. There's a story of a, a father take, took his son downtown, and uh, this is in the day before cell phones. And so he takes his son downtown, and he says, son, i got to run some errands. I'm going to leave you in front of the store. He goes, just stay here. I'll be back within 30 minutes. So the boy's standing there, and the dad drives off. After the dad drives off, his, his car breaks down about 20 minutes later. And he can't get back, and he's got to wait for a tow service, and he is dying because his son's back there waiting for him. He, he was about four hours late before he could get back to his son. When he came around the corner, he is dying. And so he comes around the corner, and he looks up, and he sees his son still standing in front of that store. son's got his hands in his pocket. He's just rocking back and forth on his heels. Dad jumps out of the car. He's about in tears, and he runes over, and he grabs his son. He hugs his son. I'm so sorry. He said, Did you, I'm sure you thought I wasn't coming back. And the little boy just sat there and looked at his dad, and he was fine. He just looked at his dad and said, oh, I knew you were coming back. He said, you told me. I thought about that. Wouldn't it be great for us to have the same kind of attitude of God? You know, there are times when it seems like God is a long ways away from delivering on the promises that he gives us. And there are times whenever we experience things that hurt and that are painful, and we're wondering, where in the world is God? And that's natural to feel that way. But guys, let me tell you something. He who has called you, he is faithful. And he will do it. He will do what he says. Why is the church important? There's power in numbers. We are here to encourage each other and remind each other of the promises that God's given us. And here's the last thing I want you to see. Why is the church important? It's important because the church provides community. One of my favorite things. Church provides community. Verse 24. It says, and let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. Not staying away from our meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If you live for Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, your life will be productive. You will be producing things in your life. You can't say you're a follower of Jesus and just be a stagnant person and not produce anything. The Bible says you will be producing. As a matter of fact, we are told in Matthew 7, uh, it says every good tree, speaking of Christians, will bear 
good fruit. It means you're going to be active. You'll bear good things in your life. It says, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's a warning for us. But then it says, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Followers of God produce in their lives. And one of the best motivators for us to live an active faith is by surrounding ourselves with other believers. That's the Bible says. In a lot of ways, that makes sense to me. Verse number 25, it says, we are to gather together. It says, you're not to habitually miss meeting together. Speaking of the local church. That, that's how important it is. The Bible says we are to come together for worship. Now, here's the deal. The church is very important to the life of a believer. It's a place where we come to receive instruction. It's a place where we come in order to worship. It's a place that we come in order to be held accountable. To be reminded of how we're to live. And guys, as we, as we work together, get to know each other, when we see, some, when we see ourselves you know, sliding off the path that God wants us on, we are to hold each other accountable. Now, is the church important? Yes. Now, I've heard a lot of people tell me, I think it's outdated. You know, I think it's boring. I don't see really a need for it. I've heard that, and I'm sure you have too. And when I hear that, I think, man, that's, that is such a bunch of bull. We need the church. Now, it's not, what, it's not important what I think. What's important is what, is what does God say? What does Scripture say? Ephesians 5 points out to us the importance of the church. Paul wrote, live a life of love just as Christ loved us, loved the church, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Is church important to God? Yes. Jesus died for the church. And so we come in here, we, we can hold each other accountable regarding what God teaches. You know, behavioral scientists have observed this really profound truth. Behavior that is observed changes. I mean, right? When we observe behavior, if somebody's observing your behavior, you're, it's going to change how you act. Uh, for example, if you are driving down the road and you don't see a policeman anywhere in sight, is it easy, easy for you to speed then, or does it make a difference when you see a policeman sitting in the middle with a radar gun right at your car? Y'all ever seen that? Whenever that happens, does it change the way that you drive? You better believe it does. I'm riding with Emily. She's slamming on the brakes, trying to slow it down. Absolutely changes. If you're in school and you're taking a test, is it easier for you to cheat and to look at somebody else's paper when the teacher is not in the room or when she's at her desk staring at you? Now, I know this doesn't affect anybody here, first service. It's whenever the teacher is, when she's not in the room, it's easier to cheat. But when she's there, it changes everything. Y'all, why is the church important? Because we remind each other, and we look into Scripture, and we discover that God's eye is on his people. And so how you live, whenever you're ready to blow up at somebody who cut you off on the road, remember this, God is watching you. Whenever you have a business deal and you know that you can get ahead by taking some shortcuts, remember this. God has his eye on his people. Church is important. Behavior observed, it changes. When we know God is watching us, 
It can encourage and motivate us to live for Him. And you say, well, how long am I supposed to be faithful? How long am I supposed to be committed to the church? You know, just until I get my act together, until my kids graduate? How long am I supposed to be faithful to the church? The answer is found in verse 25. If you look in verse 25, it says, And all the more as you see the day approaching. It says, Meet together, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What's the day? The day is referring to when Jesus comes back. We are to remain faithful and committed and being an active part of the body of Christ until Jesus comes back. In other words, for the rest of your lives. Now, living in this world, it is a constant battle. But God has given us the church to stand firm in the midst of the storms of life. Is a church important? Yes. Okay, why is it important? There's power in numbers. The church encourages us. And the church provides community. All right, now here's my final question for you. And we're going to do a couple things here. Final question, are you part of the church? Now, I'm not talking about village church. I'm talking about the body. Are you a part of the body of Christ? In other words, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Has there been a time when you've recognized, you know what, I am almost spiritual. I'm like that hand that's been severed from the body, and I want to be attached. If, if you're not attached and you'd like to be attached to Jesus... What, what do you do? Here's what you do. You talk to God. And say, Jesus, I want to belong to you. I want to be a part of your family. And I want to live for you. And I ask you to forgive me. Mm-hmm.